0: Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not Let your feet be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore amen this is the word of the lord well good morning everyone the bible is a wonderful book and deserves so much attention and uh, awe as we approach uh, divine scriptures and you may have noticed that you know there are 66 books in the bible so many different authors and most churches uh, we we'll use, you know, epistles, the gospel to preach from or to base their sermon series on, which is a good thing. The psalms don't always deserve the attention they they usually get. Um, they don't don't usually get the attention they deserve. Sorry. Um, and the purpose of this series is to bring a little more attention to the psalms as we're starting a new year. And again, the title of this series is Journey Up, and uh, this is. The first week or second week of a year, depending on how you want to see it. And we are all about starting this journey the right way with wanting to go upward, wanting to go forward with God. And, and uh, before we dive into the Psalms of Ascent, which is really the main theme of this series, I want to give a little bit of background to what the Psalms are. And you know, there are different types of genres. In the Bible literature, uh, you find laws, you find history books, prophetic books, wisdom books, apocalyptic books, gospels, letters, and poetry. And the Psalms is found in the section that we call poetry. Um, The uh, Song of Songs that you may have read or not uh, is another um, type of poetry um, designed to give you more uh, insights on this loving relationship that the author had with a woman. Um, beautiful book, by the way, I highly recommend. It was actually forbidden uh, for uh, the Jewish community unless you were um, not 18, but you were 30 years old. It has some pretty vivid images of intimacy. Anyway, back to poetry. The uh, the, the main theme of for us today, as we look at the Psalms in the canon of scriptures... Uh, we need to understand that the Psalms serve as a guide to express different emotions. Just like when you write poetry, you want to express emotions, and uh, it serves as a way to uh, express desires to God. They were written as a part of a Hebrew collection, and they need to be approached this way when reading them, meaning that one cannot draw rigid uh, spiritual affirmations or dogma or... um, uh, really big promises just based on a few lines on the psalm they are sure wonderful collections of prayers and praises that articulate our relationship with god but they're not the same as law it's not the same as the gospel they're not the same as an epistle there are five major books uh, that we found in this um, in the book of psalms uh, it was not just one one book that they found it was actually five major books And briefly, to to name them, they were book uh, 1 to 41. The book 2 was from Psalm 42 to 72. The book 3 was from Psalm 73 to 89. Book 4 was from Psalm 90 to 106. The book 5 was from Psalm 107 to 150. 150 psalms, 150 prayers, songs, uh, beautiful expressions of gratitude and trust in God. David Uh, An author that we know, for most of us, wrote almost half of Psalms, 73 in all. Moses wrote one, the Psalm 90. Solomon wrote two Psalms, Psalms 72 and 127. And then you find other authors, such as the Psalms of Asaph and Korah, etc. Now, there are several types of Psalms. You have Psalms of laments, Thanksgiving Psalms. Hymns of Praise, Salvation History Psalms, Celebration and Affirmation Psalms, Wisdom Psalms, and Songs of Trust. And it's really easy to open the Bible, turn a few pages, and, and read a psalm without sometimes understanding what we're dealing with. You know, because you find such prayers that where David is asking God to smash the head of his enemies. And we are not called to pray the same things as Christians, but we are called... To pray to God with honesty. We are called to uh, find different pathways to express our emotions and, and longings and desires to God in a way that's healthy, that's always going to redirect our attention to God and not to our own um, self. Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, in their wonderful book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, which I highly recommend, author three advices or insights on how the book of Psalms should be used. First of all, the book of Psalms should be used as a guide to worship. So many modern worship songs that we sing in churches today are actually inspired by the Psalms that we read in the Bible. It's a wonderful guide to worship. And you may be Uh, Sometimes facing tiredness or boredom in your prayer life, and you wonder how can I articulate a prayer that uh, would be really acceptable to God, or where I would feel that I'm engaged enough to have an interaction with God. Well, I highly recommend to you in those kind of circumstances to open the book of Psalms and read a psalm. It's a wonderful prayer, and I do it sometimes where By the end of the day, I'm really tired. I just put my kids to bed. I'm worn out while I'm going through the day with different distractions, and it's hard for me to focus, find the right word to pray to Jesus. But if I read a a psalm, I'm praying to God. The, The authors are giving me language to articulate, to relate to God. So it's a wonderful guide to worship. Secondly, they demonstrate how to relate to God with honesty. Honesty is one thing that's often missing in our Christian life, in the circle of different churches, where we want to be nice. We want to be nice Christians. We want to have a happy face. And we don't know how to be honest with God in a way that's healthy. Well, the Psalms teach us to do just that, to be honest with God about what's really going on inside of us, about our fears, about our anxieties, about our anger. Maybe you're still wrestling today with unforgiveness towards someone. And you're afraid to go to God and say, God, I actually really have a hard time forgiving that person. The Psalms are teaching us that it's okay to be honest with God, saying, God, I really don't want to forgive that person. Would you please help me come free in that situation? We can be absolutely 100% honest, honest with Jesus. And I love how the Psalms teach us to do that. Thirdly, they demonstrate the importance of reflection and meditation and uh, again a practice that we need to recover a lot in our journey with Jesus now that I have given a few words of advice on how to approach the Psalms we turn to the Psalms of a a collection of songs uh, that are found between the Psalm 120 to 134 three times a year the people of God the people of Israel would walk up to the temple For the Feast of Passover, for the Feast of Pentecost, and thirdly, for the Feast of Tabernacle. These feasts originated from the Exodus, you know, Israel coming out of slavery from Egypt. And they had different feasts, different celebrations that they had to to remember, to observe in order for them to keep them in sync with the presence of God and what God was doing through the history of Israel. So three times a year, they would go up. Topographically speaking, Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine. So people had to go up to the temple. And they would gather as communities, villages, family, farmers, workers, and gather their flocks and their belongings, pack up their stuff, and start the journey by going up the mountain, just like we see on the screen behind me. And as they were going up, they were singing songs of declaration of trust of gratitude of hope in god and this was a reminder of what god had done up until then and what he was about to do in the future there were songs to remind them that god was with them on the journey there were songs to remind them the purpose of salvation the purpose of why they were called the people of god who came out of slavery So they had to remind themselves all these realities by singing songs, and they would make different stops and and look at what God was doing. And there are two words we need to remember as we look at this this collection of psalms, the songs of ascent. And the first word is pilgrimage, and the second one is discipleship. Pilgrimage because people were on a journey. This is a reminder for us that today where we live is not it. This is not the end. And for them, it was the, the same. They were waiting, expecting something better, a final home. They were expecting the Messiah to come. They were expecting better promises. They were expecting a better place. Something for us is also coming. We know that the Bible is promising a new heaven, a new earth, and this is not our final home. If you can read in Hebrews 11 how it's promising this divine city that's coming for us. And so they were on a pilgrimage, journeying walking towards the promises of god walking forward now life is not just made of feast and celebration and you don't have thanksgiving all year long right if you would have thanksgiving every day of your life you would die you would die of a stomach ache or something else because we just can't live on feasting and celebrating we need the in-between and the in-between is what we call discipleship Discipleship is learning the way of Jesus. It's being an apprentice. It's learning in the daily rhythms of life how to have practices that are um that involves the body, and the mind, and the spirit, how to interact with God and one another in a way that's God honoring and forming us and shaping us into who we are supposed to be. So this the people of God, yes, they were going three times a year to feast on God. To feast in the temple, to celebrate all these wonderful things, but they had to learn between these feasts to honor God in their community and their family life with what they had received. So it's about pilgrimage, it's about discipleship. Now, before we turn to Psalm 121, I want to read it one more time to refresh our memories, and then we'll um, give a, a few a highlight a few elements about it. Let's turn to 121 again. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Three things I want to mention. Three points. First, the mountains. Secondly, the help. And thirdly, the promise. The mountains, the help, and the promise. The mountains. Yes, when you look at the mountains, they're majestic. They're beautiful. They remind us of the creation. They remind us of um, the wonders of God. And so often in churches, we've been singing this Psalm 121, thinking, yes, we look up to the mountains because we are looking upward, and therefore that's where kind of God is or where the help is coming from the Lord. But this is a, a mistake about the context of these Psalms of Ascent because you see, the mountains were a place where people would practice idolatry. They would look up to the mountain to get instant help and gratification in times of trouble. The mountains surrounding the people of Israel as they were journeying up to Jerusalem were mountains where you would find priests and priestesses and, and, and different sacrifices made to the idols, such as Baal and the, the, the God of the sun and of the moon. And as they were journeying up to Jerusalem and were reminded of their fragility and their needs uh, for, the, for the land to have more uh, prosperity in their businesses and different things like this, they would be tempted to pray to these different gods that they would find on the mountains. You would have prostitutes gathered uh, in different temples on top of the mountains available to um, to be interacted with, to rise the attention to uh, attract the attention of Baal and different idols and demons and so people would really be tempted to turn up to these things to get the help and the gratification they needed all these divinities and fake gods would promise you prosperity Protection on the road, fertility, success in farming, etc. So one can imagine why it would be tempting to look up to the mountains. But that's not what the psalm is saying. Don't look up to the mountains. It's a question mark. Is it really from where my help comes from? Question mark? No. Verse 2 says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, of course, today we don't look up to the mountains. And certainly not in Pensacola. But we look to other things. We look to the beach. We look to the water. But we look down on our phone. As a matter of fact, if I were to rewrite this psalm, and if God would have chosen me (laughs) to write the psalm 121, he would have probably given me the words, um, I look down on my phone. Where does my help come from? No, my help comes from the Lord. But we look to other things in life to gain um, gratification, to get present help we look down on our phones we look we look at the screen we look at our bank accounts we look in the mirror because we are so self-absorbed sometimes we look to the latest psychological trend we look at the we look for food we look at porn we look to different things to get the gratification to get the instant fix our reaction when we are distressed is to cry for help god help some Someone help. Somebody help me. We want a tangible solution. We want something really quick. We want to push a button that's going to give us exactly what we need in the moment. But we're not willing to embrace the long-term solution of daily obedience and submission to God. The problem is that we don't always look to the right place. We look to the mountains. What are, What we are after is this instant fix and not the long-term solution. Therefore, we lean on what the Creator has made and not the Creator Himself. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says in regards to idolatry in Jeremiah 3, verse 23. Truly, the hills are a delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Truly, in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. You see, idolatry is a delusion. It promises you happiness. It promises you comfort. It promises you gratification. It promises you so many things, but it leaves you empty. And because it leaves you empty, it pushes you to go back to the very thing that's destroying you, hence the trap of addiction and that spirals down and, and really wrecks your life. Sure, we get our instant, fixing, instant fix and we feel a little bit better, but then we wake up to the realities and we are in pain because our idols have fooled us. They have left us empty and needing and wanting more. Now let me ask you this simple question this morning as you're considering these few verses. What is your mountain? Where do you turn your attention to when you're going through difficulties and tragedy, when you need help in the present moment? Our help does not come from the mountain, but from the Lord. My second point, the help is the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. We turn to the creator and not creation. Now creation is wonderful. I love creation. I love what God has created. But this is not where salvation comes from. It comes from the God who is so powerful that he spoke and things came into being He's the one who can create new things in your life. He's the one who can create new things in 2023 for you. There might be very difficult situations that you're going through right now, and the person you need is a creator. It's not someone who has already an ABC plan for you. It's someone who is able to create new things out of the chaos of your life. That is the creator that we want to serve, that we want to follow, that we want to trust in, because he, he is just so good and so faithful. He's the one who keeps. It's interesting to notice that the song mentions God as the creator, especially as people were traveling and they were observing the creation. We turn to the God who spoke, we turn to the God who is powerful enough to turn things around as we sung. Now, I want to stop and spend some time on my third point the promise. And it's easy, as I said before, when you read the Bible and especially the Psalms, to find promises that you want to apply right away to your lives and of course all all the all the yodas and all the different letters of the Bible are inspired by God and should be applied to our lives. but there they should be also read and understood within their context. Hence the importance for us to dive into this um, this Psalm 121 and all the other ones that we're going to be talking about. And the Psalm 121 is not promising that nothing will ever, ever happen to your life. It's not promising that. It's promising that when things will happen to you, you won't be alone. You won't be facing these difficulties by yourself. You will have God as your keeper, You'll have God as the one who watches over you. God as the one who holds you in his hand. He is the one who keeps. I love what Eugene Peterson said in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, the book that we're using um, as a staff to, to get pre- prepared for this uh, sermon series. He says this, commenting on the 121, All the water in the ocean cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. The promise is that we won't sink. And I want to give you that promise this morning. You won't sink. If you belong to Jesus and you've said yes to Jesus and you've accepted him in your life, you won't sink. Things might happen, but he's going to hold you. Notice that the promises given in this psalm relate to the act of traveling. Yes, he is talking about not letting our foot be moved, and he's the one who uh, never sleep, slumber. He's the one who is our shade. He's the one who will not permit the sun to strike us, nor the moon by night. The one who keeps us as we are going and as we're coming back. So this... All these promises attached to the act of traveling. And the reality for us as believers is that there are so many blessings attached to the act of moving forward. But sometimes we want the, the blessings before we do anything. We want the guarantee before we make any kind of move in our lives. But this is not how it works in a faith. We are called to take risks. We are called to uh, put our faith into action. And as we do that, as we trust Jesus and take a step forward, god moves god releases blessing for us god releases protection for us but you cannot expect god to give you a a a plan a detailed plan for every single day of your life and a guarantee for everything for your life before you make any kind of move sometimes you have to go on a journey you have to start walking you have to start running you have to put your trust in the lord so the aim of promising all these things that we've read in the psalm is not to give us a recipe for success but more so to redirect the attention our attention of the traveler to god you see if christianity is a religion then yes god will become that vending machine waiting for a coin to give you a candy but if god is your destination then faith and trust are means to the end but so many modern twists of Christianity make God the means and not the end in itself. Notice the emphasis, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade. It doesn't say that the Lord will give you a little bit of this, a little bit of that. God will give you protection. It says the Lord is your protection, basically. The Lord is your shade. He is your keeper. So we need to embrace God as a whole. We need to invite Him as our All in our lives. He's what we need most. What we need most is not a full coverage insurance policy against any tragedy on the road as we are journeying up with God. What we need most is God and God himself. But God also happens to be the things we are looking for. What you need the most is not a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend. It's God. But you know what? God is also love and affection. God can provide these things. What you need the most is not money, but it's God. But God is also your provider. You see, that the, the beautiful thing about the Psalms is it, it wants us to become so absorbed and saturated by the presence of God that all the other things just happen, because He is our center. You know, in Psalm 34, it says, "Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart." And you've probably heard the trick. But basically, when you, um, when you really delight in the Lord, what you want is God, (laughs) because He's all that you really need. But that's really a promise that encompasses all the other promises in the Psalms that you read, especially from 120 to 134, is that we're called to delight in the Lord, and yes, He will give us what we need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added on to you. And the things that will be added onto you, yes, protection on the road, yes, safety, yes, grace to keep on going. But first it starts by directing our attention to God. You see, the people going up to Jerusalem were not going up to get a blessing, they were going up to find the presence of God. And I brought this backpack with me on stage. You may be wondering why I left this, but you see, often what happens um, as we are journeying up and getting our bags ready with things that we need is that we actually put God in our backpack. And we have a different idea of what the destination is supposed to be. And we think that the destination of a Christian life is blessing. It's to get somewhere. It's to get our family together it's to get our house it's to get our career in in place it's to get things fixed up it's to get a new relationship it's to get a husband to get a wife and all these things which are not bad but they're not the destination they're not the real end in itself but when we treat christianity this way we are actually putting god in the backpack saying god i hope you stay nice and cozy in the backpack I'm going to bring you along the way, I want to get my blessing, I want to get there, and let's walk together, right? you with me, you promised, you promised that you will be with me all the days of my life. So stay right here, I really need you. And then every once in a while, we stop along the way, we open our backpack, we let God out. And it's uh, okay to come out for a little bit because our friends are Christians, so that's fine. And then we put him back in. and It's like, all right, let's keep on walking. Let's go to the blessings. Let's go to my idea of what the real purpose of life is. And we put God in back in, in there. And And then we expect our life just to be a nice, cozy journey. And if tragedy happens if cancer happens if divorce happens if my child starts misbehaving and all these things like god didn't do what he promised to do i I gotta get my blessing god you better do what you're supposed to do so i'm gonna let you out of backpack a little more and see what you can do but this is a really mistaken view of what the journey is all about you see the people going up to Jerusalem were really focused on finding the presence of God. That was their identity. You have to understand when you read the Old Testament, the temple was the central place for Israel. They didn't have churches, they didn't have all the tools that we have today and the Bibles and the apps and the books and the literature. They had the temple. They had the temple. This is where it all started the tabernacle and in the temple. For them, going back to the temple three times a year and making that journey up was like, I'm, I'm about God. I'm going to God. I'm going to find Him again. I need Him again. There's been so many distractions between those, all those feasts. I need to find my God again. I'm going to the temple where His presence dwells. This is the destination. This is my identity. This is where I feel whole. This is where I belong. Not, not the, the rest. God provides the rest, but it's not the end. I want to invite the worship team to come back up on stage as I'm bringing this to a close with my backpack. So you see... Um, it is not until you start walking in the right direction that the certainty of God's providen- providence and presence become real to you. You have to walk in the right direction. So I want to ask you a few questions as we're really considering this beautiful Psalm 121 and, and start this series. The first question is, what is your destination? What do you have in mind for 2023 but for your life what are you really after? What are you pursuing wholeheartedly right now? It's not bad to want blessings and to be after that. But let's make sure that Jesus is the real thing. He is our all and is the one we are pursuing more than anything else. I want to ask you what kind of place has God in your life? A little place in your pocket, in your bag, in your purse? that you let out every now and then when it's convenient? Or is it really the focal point of your walk? How have you dealt with disappointments? Maybe you've read some of these promises in the Psalms and you're like, it doesn't make sense. God didn't do what he promised he would do. Well, maybe it's because we were not going in the right direction. Maybe because we were trying to twist God's arm and not really relying on him fully. But how have you dealt have you dealt with disappointment in your walk with God? Disappointment is part of a journey, but we need to find this right approach to God with honesty and deal with that with Him, remembering how much we can trust Him, trusting His heart. I probably have mentioned it before, but um, one of the pastors who trained me uh, told me, When you can't trust god's hand trust his heart when you when you can't trust god's hand what he's doing in your life trust his heart because his heart is good because he's faithful there might be things going on in your life that happened in 2022 or still going on right now and you're like i have no idea why, why god is doing this i have no idea why god is withholding his hand and not moving in the way that i expected him to do trust his heart If you can't see his hand, if you can't see his arm, trust his heart. And where do you turn in times of stress, anxiety, and trials when tragedy happens and hits you really close to home? Is it the mountains? Is it an addiction? Is it something else? Is it the person that has always the, the last word in your life, your friend that you're quick to call? Or could it be that you all just bow down on your knees and cry out to God see we're starting this 21 days of prayer and I'm really excited about it but what a beautiful way to start the you're right where we declare to Jesus I want you to be the main thing and I believe in breakthroughs I believe that breakthroughs will come I believe that God will show miracles and, and do wonders because he does he is good and he is alive and I have faith in him but you know what at these at the end of these 21 days, if all you have is more of Jesus, the prayer and fasting season would have been an absolute success. An absolute success. Because it's all about hungering more for Jesus and not just what he could give. And yes, so we're, we're going to gather here in the morning from 6 15 to 7 15. And if you can't make it for that hour, you can always come during a break and you work from. Uh, The the room will be open from 7 to 3. You can come and bow down on the floor, walk, pray as the worship is going on. But let's just uh, pursue Jesus. Let's make sure he's the destination of these 21 days of prayer. And I'm I'm persuaded we'll see more of him, more of his glory, more of his presence. Can I invite you to stand up to your feet where you are and we're going to return into worship and declaring how In the name of Jesus, as we call upon the name of Jesus, he can turn all things around. He does turn it around. He turns it around not because we've made some awesome uh, improvements or we've made some awesome prayers or we've made some uh, awesome acts of performances in our life. No, he turns it around because he is the one. He is the one in all salvation is found. He's our salvation, he's our grace. Let's pray and let's return to worship. Jesus, I thank you so much that you're real today. Thank you for the Psalms that teach us how to pray, that teach us how to be honest with you. Thank you for the protection that you offer us. Thank you that the help doesn't come from all the things that we see around us. It may not be mountains, but there are so many distractions. And God, we choose to put that aside and to focus on you. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful for your faithfulness. And we ask as we start the year, we ask as we start officially today, the 21 days of prayer and fasting, God, would you please turn it around? Would you please turn it around in my life? I am, yes, fed up by the ways of the world and the empty promises of my idols. I want something new. I want something fresh. Would you please come through and turn it around? That's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.